God's grace, his mercy, and his peace are yours through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you had thousands of people listening to you, attentively listen to you, what would you say? I guess I'm sure it would depend on the circumstance. But as we were in Chile, I got to be part of one of my brother-in-law's vlogs. He's a YouTuber. You know what? Every week, thousands of people listen to him. For every video he posts, about 5,000 people log in to see his video, and he does it three times a week. So in a week, he has more people listening to him than I do in a year, two years, three years. Thousands of people are listening to him, to, to what he is saying, and it's interesting how it all started because he just picked up a camera and he wanted to show people what his life was like in Leonardo's Chile. He was doing it for his friends, for his families, but somehow 10 viewers turned into 100, 100 turned to 1,000, 1,000 turned into 10,000, now he, I think he has 35,000 followers on YouTube. Just for his everyday life, he goes around and shows the food that he eats, he shows the places that he goes, he goes on hikes in the mountains around there, and people want to hear him. Thousands of people every time, a few times a week. So I was hiking with him, and he was playing with his fancy, dancy drone, taking aerial shots. And he put me in charge of holding the camera, and so what did I do? I turned the camera, and I started vlogging. Thousands of people listening to me and what I had to say. What did I say? Well, you have to watch a video to figure it out. But... I guarantee you the people that watched that video knew I had no clue about Leonaris or Chile or the mountain I was on because I, I really didn't. I, I was asking them questions about the area. I was asking them over YouTube, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And so they knew the difference between someone who knew the area, who lived there for years, who experienced it all, and someone who had no clue. I could have tried to say something. I could have tried to speculate and, and tell them about the area, but certainly I would have been called out. Certainly they would have pegged me for a fraud. Jesus had something similar in his life. You see, there's, there's always people who want to be the authority in something. And you hear it throughout the politics, you hear it throughout travel, you hear it throughout everything. Someone wants people to listen to them, to what they're saying, and there's always two people. The people that are right, and the people that want to be right. The people that have the authority, and the people that want the authority, and so it's pretty easy to pick out those people who really don't know what they're talking about. It's pretty evident that they don't know their surroundings. It's pretty evident that whatever they're describing, whatever they're trying to convey to you, they really don't understand it themselves. Well, when Jesus spoke up, in a small town called Capernaum, people realized something was different. You see, Jesus went to a synagogue and he taught, as many people would do, and the moment he spoke up, this is the people's reactions. It says, They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. Verse 22 says, The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, 
not as the teachers of the law. Then verse 27 says, The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He even gives orders to evil spirits, and they obey him. Good news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Jesus stepped into a synagogue, as many people would do at that time, and they would, they would teach. They would look at scriptures, and they would tell the people what they thought scriptures meant. Some of them going in and taking the words of previous teachers and rabbis and bringing them all together, and they speculate, this is what God wants from us. This is how he wants us to be righteous. And it would always be their own opinion. They'd always come to the conclusion so that their teaching might be authoritative. They, they, they formulate their own way of thought and, and pick rabbis and, and try to get credentials from everyone else saying, look at what these people say. I'm saying this, but so much more clearly so that you understand how you can be righteous before God. And pretty much anyone could step in there and teach that way. And what was interesting, as people went in and taught, as they looked at scriptures, as they looked at other rabbis and commentators, they were never the same. There was always something different. There's always some process that you had to follow, some order that you had to follow, so that God would love you, so that you would be righteous. And every single person had their own teaching, and every single person wanted to be authority. And so there are so many voices talking at these congregations that they didn't know what to do. So when Jesus walked in, he spoke. When he spoke up, it was almost like a light went on. They said, what is this teaching? He teaches as one having authority. He, He teaches some new type of teaching that we haven't Heard, this place of worship, the synagogue that we come to be nourished by God's word, this, this is something completely new. So when we hear Jesus speak up today, we hear, well, he speaks something different. He speaks as one having authority, and his words of authority have power. You see, Jesus was completely different from those who were teaching in the synagogue. He came, and actually he had the same topic in mind, righteousness. But the way in which righteousness was received from Christ, and the way in which righteousness was received from the teachers of the law and the scribes was completely different. The teachers of the law and the scribes focused on the work of the people, saying, this is what you must do. This is how you please God. This is what righteousness is. You follow these orders. You do moral things. Your outward etiquette is to be the example for everyone. They took and they extrapolated from the words of other people, trying to formulate. They, they, were, they were there for a cause. They were there to change the people, and they did whatever they could to change the people and focus them on their cause even if it meant twisting scripture a little bit. Because they want to be the authority. But when Jesus spoke up, that didn't happen. Now Mark doesn't tell us exactly what Jesus t- 
taught that day, but we know very well what it is. The righteousness that these scribes were promoting was a self-righteousness, works of the law, obedience to God's commands, making yourselves look good to God by your own actions. But what Christ brought was completely different. A righteousness that's not from ourselves. It's, as we learned in Romans today, a righteousness revealed from God. One that's given, a righteousness in our place that that God, through his Son, has put onto us so that we might stand before him holy and righteous and pure. Jesus was our righteousness. He was our holiness. That's how we stand before God. This was a new teaching, but it shouldn't have been. It's a teaching that God promoted from the, the day he created the world until Christ came. He said, this is how you will inherit salvation through my son, whom I love. It was new. It was different. And the people realized it was authoritative. It wasn't Jesus just coming in here making something new. It wasn't him promoting an idea that he just came up with, an alternative to the way salvation. They knew he spoke with authority. Because he didn't stand there and look at all the scribes and say, look at these people, they agree with me. He didn't say, doesn't it make sense what I'm saying? He simply stood up there and he said, this is what it is. I will share my righteousness with you. I will share my cross and death for you because each of you are sinful. Each of you don't have enough willpower to stand before God. Even if you tried to do everything that was right, you couldn't. Because as Jesus speaks up, we see that his words are powerful too as well. See, we're kind of bound by certain things in our lives. If I want to jump in the air and fly, I couldn't do it because of the laws of gravity, because I'm human. I can't do the things that humans can't do. The same goes for our sin. We are bound by sin, and everything we do is bound by sin. And so if we, I want to get myself out of sin, I, I can't by my sinful nature. I can't. That's who I am. Yet here Christ stands before us and he says, as I speak up, my words are so powerful that I change. I change who you are. And you see that power in what Jesus does in the miracle he does in Mark. says, just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus sternly, said sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. Just take note of this. That 
man with the evil spirit was there in that synagogue. He was there listening to the scribes and the teachers of the law, and he didn't do anything. He was comfortable with what they were teaching because it wasn't from God's word, but the moment that Jesus spoke up, this evil spirit shrieked out. Maybe to undermine God, calling him the Holy One of God, and maybe a backhanded comment, trying to convince the people and confuse them. Why is a devil, an evil spirit, calling him the Holy One of God? So as Jesus speaks up, we see that Satan attacks him. But Jesus silences him and speaks up in power and says, come out of him. And he comes out. When Jesus speaks up, he speaks with power. He has the power to change that man and that evil spirit casting him out. He has the power to change who you and I are because we, bound by sin, can do nothing. That's our, our limitations. We could sin only all the time, except when he came and he worked his Holy Spirit and faith on our hearts and he draw, drew us up out of sin by his righteousness. He spoke from authority. Spoke from God, as we hear in Deuteronomy. God gave him this power to speak as one who has authority, and he spoke with power so that he would bring us up out of sin. And the people of Capernaum realized it. Said, who is this? What new teaching? And with authority. You hear even Mark gives a, a, a little backhanded comment. Authority, the, the authority that these scribes, they didn't have. So when Jesus speaks up, we listen, right? His word is different because it's God's. His authority is there. His power is there. We know it's all there. So do we listen? Well, sometimes we find excuses. Sometimes I, I don't have time for it. I'm so busy, I don't have time to listen to God speak up in his word. Sometimes I, I just don't understand God's word, so I, I just put it on the shelf and I, I leave it. Or sometimes we think God's word is like any other piece of literature, and I read it through once and I'm good, and then I, I leave it. We all have excuses, but then we realize there's no excuse for our indifference towards God's word. This is God's word. It's there. It's authoritative. It's powerful. We know that in our head, and yet in our actions, why aren't we using it? Why don't we open our Bibles on a regular basis, maybe every day, and hear what God says? Why don't we regularly do devotions with our family? Here, this is a place where we hear on a regular basis that's read Old Testament epistle, gospel lessons, all for us. Sometimes we see our indifference so clearly, but then we see God's love for us so clearly too. He doesn't stop teaching us. 
we still have the Word. You have a Bible at home, right? It's there. If you don't, I'll give you one. You have regular worship. It's here every week. You have friends and family who encourage you with God's word. God doesn't keep his word from us. He gives it to us over and over again because this is important. God's word is the treasure. It's authoritative. It's powerful for our lives. It tells us what Christ has done for us and it changes our outlook on everything. He doesn't keep it from us. What would you say if you could talk to thousands of people? Well, you could say a lot of things. But what is worth saying? What's worth hearing except that of God's word? We find time for our news. We find time for our YouTube videos. We find time for our TV. Here's time for the treasure. Jesus speaks up. He wants you to listen. Because in listening, you hear how much he cares and the treasure he's given and the power that he has already given you. So when Jesus speaks up, we listen. Because he speaks to us. And you know what? He speaks through us too as well. Amen. Please stand. We join in confessing our faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed printed for you on the bottom of page 5 in your bulletin. We confess our faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. The third day he rose again from the dead, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.